Ladies and gentlemen, finally, we are upon the final game in my series of games playing Kingdom Hearts. We are finally at the end. We are finally, finally at Kingdom Hearts 3. And yet, they tell me that you need to play Melody of Memories because it has a certain ending that links to the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. And I'm like, okay, why? What's the game about? Is it good? Is it bad? And they say, yeah, it's practically all of the Kingdom Hearts game, but now musical. I'm like, oh shit, no thank you. <laughs> I mean, who does that? Who does that? So I said, hell no. I'm watching the cutscenes. I'm not going to pay 60 bucks. And especially, you know, the funny thing is that for, for the longest time, um, the game has been... Uh, 60 bucks on PSN, but it has been getting a lot of discounts going as low as 20 bucks um, at retail, so Why would I pay 60 bucks to again for the I don't know how many times now replay Kingdom Hearts just to get a new ending. I'm not gonna do that. So anyways um, full disclosure I played Kingdom Hearts 3 and watch the cutscenes for Remind DLC because I was told that in order to get the real ending you have to do a lot of crap that seemed very hard and I really didn't want to spend that much more time and again my luck it didn't have any discount so I thought that if I were gonna spend 30 bucks I can spend it on a game that I want to play for hours on end and I saw that holy shit Scarlet Nexus? <laughs> Cyberpunk? Yeah probably and, you know, saying this, this was way before um, getting it, so, yeah. Doesn't really, you know, don't look too deep into it, okay? So, before we begin, I just want to say that um, uh, thank you for joining me on this journey. It has been such a wonderful journey. Um, and I would love to say that um, thank you. Thank you for all your support. Now, I may or may not be doing this um, for the foreseeable future. The, podca the podcast isn't exactly what I wanted it to be. And um, I'm, I don't know. So, regardless of what might happen, I am finishing what I started, which was Kingdom Hearts. And... Uh, I'm hoping that you guys will like it and that you will enjoy it. Regardless of that, let's get into it. As usual, we will have um, a re little recap of the events that happened um, in the previous one. And then we will get into the main review. Alright, so let's do it. Let's get into it and let's start with a recap. Alright, so, uh, as we always do, we are going to spoil everything that ever happened before. So, if you've been playing Kingdom Hearts up until now, you probably know that um, we now have to talk about three more games. Um, Dream Drop Distance, we have um, Fragmentary Passage, and, of course, Back Cover. Now... You may remember that you in Dream Drop Distance, they wanted to make sure that 
Riku and Sora are ready for um, their test and stuff like that. They want to test them to become masters. That was such a cool idea at first, but then it turned to old shit because then it turned out that you know it's not just a test. They're trying to give them the power of awakening. And next to that, the organization was still thriving in a new form and still on the loose. And after these guys, with some of these characters, if you remember, being back to who they were because they were nobodies, now they were whole again. And now some of them were back. And uh, we saw that you know, characters like Axel join uh, our heroes, get a Keyblade. We saw that Sora um, didn't exactly get the power of awakening but you know Riku did because Riku he didn't get the power of awakening sorry sorry didn't get the power of awakening he was captured by Xehanort young Xehanort and brought into the organization to make him the 13th darkness but we also saw Riku become a master because he was able to you know control his darkness even though if you remember back then he was the guy we were all afraid of we were all like oh no this guy he's the one who probably would be a villainous guy again but he wasn't which was a huge surprise to me and a good one at that because I thought that okay so this means that you know this dude is slowly um, becoming a better character he's evolving something that you know is actually very uh, common in good stories and here we see that happen now honestly I gotta say I was really really impressed um, with you know, that story in there, because, you know, seeing that, you know, the old Xehanort grab everyone from every other timeline, bring them on, and, you know, honestly, bringing timelines and, you know, um, you know, kind of, you know, time travel is kind of a risk. I'm just glad that the way they did in Dream Drop Distance was okay, because usually when it is there and involved, it doesn't make for okay you know, um, for a good one, uh, for a good story or anything like that. Because, you know, you think that, you know, at this point they're trying to, uh, just, you know, get away, get away with it and be like, yeah, we can do whatever we want. You guys suck. But I would say that, you know, this was, even though it felt like they were trying to do it, at least it felt very intriguing. And I would say that, you know, it was fun to see Young Xehanort, to see... Ansem, to see Xemnas, alongside old Xehanort, this was all very fun to watch and to see them interact. So I would say that, you know, Dream Job Justice actually had a really good story, and if they actually followed conventions of numbering, this would definitely be a top game in terms of story for a numbered game. Granted that, you know, there were so many little things that they put there, such as Riku's, you know, Dream Eater, logo on his back which i did notice so i was like you know maybe it's because of the game being about dream eaters maybe that's why we're seeing sora with an x although i would say i i still have problems understanding why would you say that you know we tracked you with the x <laughs> kind of weird but that was for the story and then they come back and uh, you know they save sora because you know axel drops in helps them and he actually also gets a keyblade and they are like, okay, now we have to bring the seven guardians of light. That is our only choice to beat these 13 darknesses. So they go after them. They find these, um, 
they want to find these guys and you know, you know who they are they're Ventus, Aqua and Terra who they have to find and of course the final one who is none other than Kyrie, who we'll be getting to a lot during the review for Kingdom Hearts 3. Of course we'll have spoiler discussions as well which will include Remind and Melody and Memories so stay tuned after the review I'm gonna do it then. So continuing on from all of this then we go to Fragmentary Passage which essentially was you know how Aqua spent her time in the darkness so it, did, it didn't seem like to be a good time she was basically um, trapped there she couldn't do much and she was tormented by her own darkness and at the same time the memories of Terra and, uh, Terra and Ventus seeing she couldn't help them and somehow this all linked back to Kingdom Hearts 1 the ending where she sees Mickey and she fights this um, spiraling collection of heartlesses and um, they defeat it and save Riku so Riku can go alongside Mickey to close the door um, in the first Kingdom Hearts game. Funny thing is we also Mickey shirtless in the first game first game's ending and instead of just simply um, you know uh, just retconning this they were like yeah let's let's explain how he lost his shirt <laughs> it's a funny scene it's a funny scene but then we are also led to Kingdom Hearts um, I won't say free yet because like the game says 2.9 where things are very much ready and to move on we just see her that she's alone on the beach and you know needs um, some you know, um, you know just you know she's so sad and lonely she's solitary there so it sucks to be honest so she's there and we are told why um, someone like Sora doesn't have his powers anymore that he needs to go and you know um, get them again because of what happened during Dream Drop Distance, which actually uh, makes a lot of sense, honestly. Uh, and I gotta say, you know, this was actually very um, interesting, to say the least. So, that was Dragon Day Passage, then we go to Kingdom Hearts back cover, key back cover if you want to go with it. And we are, we're learning about someone called um, master of masters who knows about the future he's wearing a clothing that is very similar to uh, the organization and of course this is explained um, in Remind DLC but honestly I, I needed to explain it a little bit earlier but we are shown that we are shown that he and his apprentices fighting each other they are uh, you know being led on and you know there's so many things that happened there and I would say that honestly I can stay here and talk to you about hours about it but I'm sure if you watched it you either understood the point of it or you were like me being like what does this have to do with the third one but I would say that you know for now keep in mind that you know this is master of masters and that um, he's basically um, you know going to be in the series from now on He's kind of important, to be honest. But, and there's also, you just gotta remember that there was this apprentice who was supposed to get this um, box and put it away. So, 
just remember these for now because honestly to this day I still don't get what was the point of that I mean you could have just introduced these guys and be done with it but to have a one hour movie that won't really have much of a um, you know, it, it does actually have like you know you, you get to uh, understand who the factions are what they're doing and stuff like that but I would say if anyone actually played it played the actual game they would be far more excited for whatever happens in Kingdom Hearts 3 rather than us who just watched one hour movie and most of the time I was just confused being like okay you just gotta give me a sec to get all of this and then come back to it because you know, you needed to search and you know, as soon as you search for it you are very much um, spoiled because you're like holy shit why are you spoiling this for me <laughs> so yeah kind of a weird thing so I would suggest that even if you didn't understand it wait till you play the game and remind DLC come back to it and uh, that would be that would be nice right right so let's stop here and um, let's go in get into the actual review of Kingdom Hearts 3 which very well might be my favorite of the whole series so far alright so I actually wrote most of what I wanted to say during playing the game and it's a huge list <laughs> I never thought I'd be writing this much about a game but here we go so in my opinion Kingdom Hearts 3 is a triumph in terms of gameplay and improving upon set gameplay compared to the old entries in the franchise this includes but not limited to bringing back certain mechanics from the world of Dream Drop Distance HD such as free flow motion which I loved in Dream Drop Distance and thought it was great and it was brought back in Kingdom Hearts 3 however even though it was brought back it wasn't the same as Dream Drop Distance and felt more like you know just rebringing it back for you guys and you know as a service but in terms of saying if I would use it all the time during the game I would say that I used it but not as much as I did during Dream Drop Distance which was a slight disappointment in my you know in what I thought but at the same time I also saw that they brought back spirits which made me really happy while they weren't exactly the same way as they were in Dream Drop Distance and it's very much understandable why but seeing them back even though they were Link it was so satisfying and very exciting to see that you know they actually care about the things that they make and they're not just one shot and you know saying that okay we have one shot of this and let go of it this was such a, a such an exciting thing to see in my opinion and I would say that because of you know free free motion or free flow motion whatever it was called and you know bringing back the gameplay things that made the um, you know previous games very enjoyable mixed them all together created this amazing gameplay loop that I had ever seen in a Kingdom Hearts series and I would say that if you were a fan of Kingdom Hearts 2 or I don't know any of them even you know the birth by sleep or fragmentary passage if there's anything you ever loved from one of these games as gameplays you will find them here and you will have so much fun and that's not the only thing 
talking about of course Kingdom Hearts and the world that it entails, the worlds have been vastly improved, made much more bigger than they were, they're much more alive and much more beautiful to just, you know, even look at. While I would say that you know, this happens with every game, this time the leap is huge. Like if you remember in Kingdom Hearts 2, we had such a leap, we had it with Birth by Sleep as well. We had it every game. But now, for example, when you visit Hercules, the world is so big, you actually have huge places that you can visit. You can see the city, you can see the people, help them, interact with them. And the funny thing is, even though the world is huge, every world is tailored to be related to the, to that world. Like, anything that you do is related to that. And the thing that I found really interesting, of all the things out there, of all the things that made me really go like, what the hell, who designed this, this is so good, one of them was, for example, the fact that you would see changes in the world after you finish it. Like with the Hercules world, I, I went when it, there was a fight going on and things were happening, so the city wasn't in a good condition. But I, I didn't finish the game, I just was just like, you know, close to finishing the game. And I decided to revisit that place because I wanted to get these um, lucky emblems which are needed if you want to get the uh, secret ending, depending on which, you know, um, what, what are you, difficulty you're playing on. But I would say that, you know, honestly, they're not that difficult to hunt. Just remember that you can get this ability after Hercules' world, so that's why I had to revisit the world. So don't be like, why can't I get them right now? But speaking of Hercules' world... I would say it was so exciting to come back to it and see it's getting repaired and it actually looks different in many ways even though they were subtle but I would say that they do look different and I would say that yeah I loved this choice that they made this made the world of Kingdom Hearts much more alive than it ever did speaking of worlds being alive you could actually become a pirate when you visit Pirates of the Caribbean and I thought that was such a amazing move that they did not only could you actually control your own ship and move from one place to the other you could actually participate in in wars like you know, in uh, you know pirate wars and i would say that in many 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 ways this game is such a huge improvement over so many other games and of course i would say that this is not the only thing even though i was so excited for you know pirates of caribbean and i when I saw that I could actually just, you know, um, you know, basically um, just just go around and, you know, do so many crazy stuff. The one thing that I actually loved more was just see the amount of love that they put in creating each of these worlds. The detail, the graphics, how you would actually, you know, relate to that world and how it actually seems to connect. However... While I'm saying so many good things, so many good things, this doesn't mean that every world is perfect. While every world is just perfect to just look at and gawk at, some of them are very lifeless in some ways. Like San Fran Tokyo is not exactly the perfect, you know, city. It is huge, it is great to just even walk in and be like, holy shit, this is amazing. But the fact is that it's just so empty. There's not much to do. And it's, I think, one of the faults of some of these worlds. With Pirates of Caribbean, there was so much you could do. You could go from one island to the other, 
look for treasure and have fun, even though I would have preferred some side quests if they were added. But for the rest of them, there's not much that you can do. You just you just start there. Then that's it. When you when you're done with that world, you're done with it. Whereas with Kingdom Hearts 2, for example, if you're done with it, you still have to revisit it to do more and get something extra. I thought that that kind of sucked that this wasn't available in the world of Kingdom Hearts 3. But next to that, I think it was also very exciting that, you know, basically seeing the characters look almost like their Pixar reincarnations. Like, they were so well made. And again, while I said it's very fun to see the graphics go this far and see your favorite characters, which for me, there was a lot, like visiting Toy Story World. My god, do you have any idea how excited I was to finally go there, to see Monsters, Inc., which is one of my favorite uh, animated movies of all time, um, to go to, you know, we always went to Pirates of the Caribbean, but you know, to actually become a pirate there, to go to Frozen World, which was even more exciting. I mean, these were good. However, here's a little fault. While all of them are good and, uh, you know, fun to visit, some of them are just, you know, recreations of the movies. And while that is actually not as annoying as it would be, it's actually well done when, you know, when certain cutscenes from you, the character, connects to the movie cutscene. I mean, you might think that, you know, they recreated in the game. They didn't. It's basically a scene from the movie. They just put it there. But to see that you're actually part of it, it is exciting. But I would say that maybe I would have loved to do more. Like, to be honest, yeah, going to Pirates of Caribbean World, doing the third movie, it is exciting because, you know, I liked I liked the third movie. Not a lot, lot, like the second movie, but it was fun. It was a good movie, especially the battles. But we had done this a lot of times. Then you go to Frozen World, and you know, again, I love the Frozen movie, and I loved seeing some aspects that were not in the movie, because obviously no reason to show it, but to see that you are those aspects that weren't in the movie made it really fun for me. But I understand why some people say that, yeah, they probably should have included their own original story, like how Toy Story did, like how San Fran Tokyo or Big Hero 6 World did, which I think Big Hero 6 World was technically a sequel to the movie but again I would say that you know they had the opportunity the choice to not just do the movies again like with Hercules I'm not sure if this was exactly like the movie because I've seen the movie like a long time ago when I was a kid so I'm not sure but I do remember many of this being the same but I would still say as much as the worlds are really well made as much as they are really worked on I probably needed to see a little bit more because they created a world that is so immersive, so beautiful that you wanted more. And that's the thing. It's your fault. You created a world that I did want to explore, that I did want to just, you know, go through and be like, ah, give me more of this thing. Why isn't there more? And that kind of sucked for me. I don't know about you guys, but I would say that I was really excited for it. I really wanted to see more of it. But unfortunately we never did and like I said there was some things that they could have done more to make the experiences a little bit better but I'm not saying that you know, it was bad to begin with it was really good but there could have been more I mean you had the chance you had the opportunity but 
I don't know, maybe in the next game. Now, continuing on from that, of course, the gameplay borrows so many things from older games, and it, of course, as I hoped, Fragmentary Passage was technically a demo for this game because we are seeing so many things from it come back here, such as the Master Spells, which I thought were such an amazing thing to add. The gameplay is much smoother than you may remember if you hadn't played Fragmentary Passage. The spells are much more fun. The grinding is actually fun. The keyblades are really, you know, consequential, just like um, I would say with Birth by Sleep. There is so much to love here. I mean, in terms of gameplay, there is honestly so much, so much to have. And it's just really well done in that term. But I would say that while the models, all of them look really good, especially for the characters, and you know, like I said, you actually feel like maybe you're in the animation. Sometimes it's some choices that doesn't really sell me on it. Like, for example, with Ansem, I always saw Ansem as a guy with, you know, a bit narrower eyes and, you know, much more serious look. Here he looks such a, such a boy. Well, Xemnas, he... I, actually, the funny thing is, when I first saw the thumbnail that included these two on the cover, I, I was like, oh no, I've been spoiled. But then I thought, no, maybe not. I mean, Xemnas doesn't have, like, this much spiky hair or like defined kind of hair seems that I I was wrong they're actually <laughs> it's, it's really you know um, funny I mean he looked like a Dragon Ball or I don't know Yu-Gi-Oh character I mean yeah he does look like a Final Fantasy character after all I mean it's Nomura but to be honest, when you look too deep into it, you're like, yeah, this is probably a Yugi antagonist or something. You just need to color the hair a little bit more. I mean, that's the thing that really, you know, made me go like, what the hell? But I would say that, you know, aside from that, um, everything seemed so good. Now, the funny thing is, in Kingdom Hearts 3, you get to actually switch characters for a little bit. And uh, that's just a little bit, by the way. And it's still fun. I mean... Not as fun as you with Sora, but still not bad. I mean, you can do it, and it's pretty fun. And, um, to be honest, uh, now, I don't want to talk about the story straight away, so let's talk about still gameplay. Now, talking about boss battles, boss battles were usually something that wasn't really well done in Kingdom Hearts game. They were good, but they weren't perfect. Here I would say that it's actually really fun. Not only does each boss has their own, um, you know, kind of strategy that is not based just upon hit it, hit them until they drop, but rather there are some things that you have to do, be close, uh, closely looking at them, and that's not just the bosses. You can also do this with normal enemies, and that I think is a huge improvement because that actually makes the game in a way that you have to think more about it and be like yeah I have to be more strategic so they are not essentially a bullet sponge as people would call them and I would say that I, I, I would say that you know as a gamer you will love it the bosses here are much more diverse much more fun to battle with and they are really good really well designed I mean if you gotta fight David Jones and it's much more fun than fighting Captain Hook in Peter Pan. You got a winner on your hands. Because 
Everything is so well done here. I mean, let me be clear. The way the amount of love they put in here is just simply amazing. And like I said, yeah, the gameplay is fun, it's smooth, the keyblades, and of course, yeah, I forgot I wrote here. The transformations for these keyblades is actually really fun too. And, uh, you know, honestly, these transformations really do make a huge difference. And of course, next to this, we also have rides, which are, I guess, brought from Disneyland rides because... I did go to Disneyland, but it was in Paris, and I didn't see some of these, or maybe I did and didn't go on them. But still, I would say that, you know, it was really fun. I mean, getting the rides and kicking bosses' asses with these rides, or even normal enemies, it is fun, but sometimes it gets annoying. But you don't have to use them, you're not forced to do so. You can use your transformations, your master spell, or something like that. Everything is fun. I would say, you know, it... I actually remember it. The more fun thing is that, you know, when you have a spell, like, for example, Fira, it actually gets upgraded to Firaga when you want to use the next spell instead of Transformation. But when I say Master Spell, that comes, like, you know, after you have the final form of the spell. And I would say that, honestly, it was fun to use these spells. Now, the thing is that while I said that the magic is very good, the fighting is good, this is good, this is bad... I would say that the game was not that challenging. I don't know, maybe it was because I actually grinded a little bit uh, before the final battles. Maybe. But before I even did that, the game wasn't that challenging. I think I died just once and that was because of my own mistake during the whole game. And I would say that honestly, the game is... I played on standard, by the way. I didn't play it on easy as I did with many other games in the series because I just wanted to breeze through them and see the story. Here it was more like, you know, much easier than I expected. And that's not a bad thing, but during the end, at least the boss fight, it was just too easy. <laughs> and I did grind, I'm gonna say this. And the grind was actually really fun. I grinded like, I don't know, 10 levels or something because I thought maybe I'm underleveled. I wasn't, I actually kicked some ass, but I was like, just in case, this is a good place to just grind it out. I think I did it for like an, I don't know, it wasn't, wasn't an hour or 45 minutes, I'm not sure. But it was worth it. So many levels. And <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, guys, do a little bit of grinding. It is fun and, you know, it's needed because, you know, you get some really cool spells. As for, should you get spells or strength as your main focus go with spells i didn't listen to this advice i thought it was bogus at first but yeah spells are op they really are especially if you have a keyblade that can do it and oh yeah you can actually change keyblades mid combat this is something awesome because you know aside from the transformations which really make you powerful at times which i thought they were so good it made me feel like you know i'm in the middle of an anime the thing is that it's having different keyblades at hand immediately at first i thought it was annoying but then i thought that no it isn't because you know sometimes i want to use a spell in a certain boss so i change it to the keyblade that has the spell power over this strength and sometimes it's just about strength and i gotta say it is fun it is so fun and you know the designs are actually really good just play you know spell wise when the game asks you you're gonna be like i'm gonna be a wizard <laughs> i'm gonna be a good wizard 
I can do so many stuff. Now, let's see what else have I written. Oh, yeah, the voice acting. My God. The voice acting is really good. And especially the way they chose them. Aside from the fact that you know, most of the people that you know have returned, obviously. I didn't notice this, but the voice actor for Riku had changed. I thought maybe that voice actor for Riku had actually grown up. But turns out, no. They're two different people. And you actually hear them in this game. And the way you hear them is so cool. It's such a cool easter egg, especially if you have played the previous ones, it's just amazing. So, you have that going as well. And I gotta say, most of the people who have cho who they have been chosen for this game, while, I'm, while I did search and I saw that, yeah, they're not exactly from the, um, you know, from the movies. Most of them, at least, are not. Those that are made me really excited. I was like, yay, they're here. But those that I probably thought they were like for example toy story world or monsters inc they were just people who sounded so much like them and i thought that you know i'm also an impressionist so that's actually great news for me but the funnier thing was that woody's voice actor is actually tom hanks's brother who could believe that that was actually so cool so cool and i gotta say um it is really really exciting to see that also as i'm writing i wrote here then we have the you know instagram style loading screens which are you know sometimes really weird and funny really weird and funny one of them that i wrote here was uh one that <laughs> yeah i remember this i remember this oh yeah there was this scene that master aqua is nearing tears and of course there's a cut scene but, you know, it's presented in a way that, you know, Sora took this picture. <laughs> it's actually like this. I'm not lying. This is actually what happens in the game. Aqua is, like, nearing tears and she's not, like, in a good mood. And Sora has taken her picture and wrote that hashtag, Decade in the Dark. Why, bro? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> that is such a... Funny thing. Um, next to that, of course, you have um, selfie feature, which I think it is cool, but it's not perfect. You could have used more expressions. You could have had probably a little bit easier time uh, with the control of it. Of course, it's still miles better than some other games I have seen, which seem to be, you know, newer than this game. So I would say that the feature is fine, but not perfect. I mean, I used it for a couple of worlds, but... A, an actual photo mode would have been way better, especially given how beautiful this game looks and how it could actually benefit from a photo mode. Like, imagine you could actually have the photo mode and, you know, play with the darkness or the light, um, give yourself a streak of light. I think this can be done in the next version, PS5, but here it probably could have been done in a much more simpler way, but they didn't do it and it's kind of a mess for me. Now let's get into, uh, you know, the story. Yeah. Because here is the actual part you guys probably came for the review. Is the story good? Is it worth it? Is it the thing we all wanted? Okay. In short, yes. It's amazing. In long, is it what we all wanted? Depends on what you expected. I would say that I probably knew they would play it safe a little bit but the fact was that 
I wanted them to play safe because I wanted to see certain characters back. I want to see certain things happen. And I would say that, yeah, as per usual with every Kingdom Hearts game, wherever you go with the worlds, they are not consequential to the story at first. At when you finish the story, you're just like, oh, yeah, now, it, now it's consequential. But I would say that, you know, bringing this whole world together, it felt very much like something like Endgame, where everything you ever heard in these games came together to create this fantastic ending and story because everything you ever experienced here everything that was they slowly you know said that yeah guys this was once we talked about this in this game we talked about that in this game they are all now here to be mixed and put together to have this awesome looking explanation and i would say that honestly it really worked the fact that you know i, I i'm really not sure if nomura wanted these to be uh ever part of the whole um uh, i don't know for the uh, later use but regardless even if it wasn't the fact that they actually connected it this well it's so so good i would say that guys you would love it i mean obviously if you're like me who wanted to see certain characters back and stuff like that you're gonna have a ball of a time if that's a expression i'm not sure if it is but you're gonna have a lot of good time i mean it's so so well done and i would say that you know my little gripe would be near the end um I mean, how would I, how would I express this without spoiling? But I would say that you know, after a certain boss fight, a certain scene happens, and the reasoning for it, well, it's actually well done and explained well in the game to the point that you're like, okay, I understand why this is happening. Uh, but I would say that you know, it just felt like you know, kind of a redemption kind of thing that was like, Ugh, come on, don't do that. But um, I would still say that, you know, there's so much here that, um, they've done that really, really works and it's so good. And they probably did something that I didn't expect. I didn't think that they would do it. And there was one little thing that I thought that, yeah, this isn't safe and that's actually good. But I'll do that more in spoiler discussion right after this review ends right now. Um... But I would say the story is satisfying. While some reviewers might say that, yeah, it was predictable, but predictable in a good way. Um, honestly, yeah. It's still still really good. Still really well done. Now, how would I say that? Uh, I'm not a fan of Kyrie and Sora. Sorry. And I'll probably get a lot of hate. But... In the first game, at least we see a little bit of Kyrie and Sora, and we see Sora does have a crush on Kyrie. And while it's not really that well worked on continuously, uh, we get more of Sora and uh, Riku. At least you are, in a way, convinced that it is. For Chain of Memories, again, you are convinced a little bit. But as the series goes on, it starts to you know put this into the back. And 
with Kingdom Hearts 2, again, you don't get the feeling that they love each other. It was more like, yeah, we're good friends. <laughs> Compared to, you know, the other ones. By the time Kingdom Hearts 3 rolls around, I think that Axel and Kairi have a lot more chemistry and a lot more connection, because that's all we see about them, than Sora and Kairi. And honestly, it's not something that convinced me. I don't know about you guys, you probably, some of you probably are, you know, very strong shippers of these two and probably are like, no, you're wrong, they're great together. I'm not saying they're not great. I'm saying that it's never really worked on. You never really see it to the point that you're like, yeah, I'm convinced these guys should be together. I mean, it feels very much forced. Not even Sora shows a lot of interest anymore. <laughs> I mean, he does, but it's not the same way. But I would say that um, it's kind of a disappointment for me because I really wanted to see that. It feels more like, you know, Kyrie is the one that's interested in Sora. She's like, yeah, you gotta be with me. <laughs> um, that kind of sucks. But, oh, and by the way, yeah, she's the seventh Keyblade holder and she's a terrible one. That's another part that I hated. Because we see her train, and we see her train with Axel, and the funny thing is, they say that, you know, this isn't a world where time passes differently. If you're a Dragon Ball fan, think like hyperbolic time chamber. But both of them suck. I mean, they don't do much. Kairi doesn't do anything, by the way. She's just saying like, oh no, what? It'd be a badass, kick some ass. That's some of my gripes, but... I would say that, you know, it's really, near the end at least, everything is just really different. And the battles are a pure spectacle. There's actually one of them that a certain thing happens that was just very much reminiscent of Nier Automata in the credits. If you know, you know. And if you listen to the spoiler part, you will know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, kind of a weird thing. So, oh shit, I just hit my mark. So, yeah, I would say that overall, this game is a must-play for any Kingdom Hearts or Final Fantasy fans. And yeah, we don't see Final Fantasy characters in this game. Nomura said that because he wanted to put more focus on Kingdom Hearts. He's not wrong, I actually agree, because most of the time they were just there. They didn't do much. They were just there being like, uh, you know... We are here, guys. We don't do much except for maybe lading a hand. Maybe. If we're up to it. <laughs> so, ugh, that kind of sucked. But, that's it. And, uh, that's it. I think that you know, the game is really, really good. You gotta play it. You gotta have a lot of fun with it. It's just something really unique. And I would probably give it 9. Because, you know, I love the game. Would I say I enjoyed Kingdom Hearts 2 a bit more because of the story a little bit and stuff like that? I would say Kingdom Hearts 2 is still a very good game. But I would say that the worlds that were there in Kingdom Hearts 3, the gameplay, puts it higher. But I would say they're very neck and neck. Very. So yeah, that's my score even though I probably wanted to give it a little bit lower. Just a bit. I wouldn't because I enjoyed it. And yeah. The secret ending, 
don't get spoiled on that because it's really something and I will be talking about it in the uh, spoiler discussion because I don't I didn't even want to spoil it because I thought that it would be a huge one so let's get into the spoiler parts guys this is gonna be a very long one I think I'll actually do the other version as well <laughs> let's get into it okay if you're still here, this means that you are fine with any spoiler whatsoever. That is on you, not on me. So, this is a spoiler discussion because I thought that, honestly, it would be stupid to just record another episode again for Kingdom Hearts. Let's just finish it here. So, I'm gonna spoil the, the third game, Remind, and Chain of Memories. So, let's talk Kingdom Hearts 3. I would say that you know it was um, exciting to see that Riku, his replicant self, was uh, was back, and using that voice was actually really inspired choice. I thought that you know it was so cool seeing him help out Riku and go after Nominee to help her, seeing that you know we could actually bring back Roxas and Ventus, helping Master Aqua come back and then going after Ventus and you know trying to save him um, I thought all of this was really well done because it really played with your feelings and you you have to really rack your mind and be like my, my god what the hell is happening here because it, it got a little bit confusing at times the thing that I thought that was so so cool was um, the interactions these characters had because you know we never saw them interact like Vanitas and uh, of course, uh, Sora. They never interacted. And seeing them finally interact and, you know, Sora being like, holy shit, why do you look like me? Or explaining why Roxas looks exactly like Ventus, which was, the reason was because of Sora's heart. Now, here's an explanation that you probably want to look for, but probably don't know. Um, I, I read that Nomura, apparently, he actually confirmed this, I think, that when Ventus was brought onto Destiny Islands and the darkness was pulled away from him, um, he was looking for help, his heart. So Sora, being a newborn that he was, offered help and part of the heart of Sora actually went inside, uh, you know, part of, uh, sorry, part of Ventus's heart actually went inside Sora's. And Sora's influence is the reason why Ventus looks the way Sora does so that's because of Sora because you know back then it was that there's a theory going on that maybe he didn't have a face at first that's why he was wearing a you know, mask and when he began having one uh, it was because you know he was connected to Sora that's what happened the other thing is then this is kind of confirmed the reason Roxas looks like Ventus is because, you know, uh, Ventus was in Sora's heart, especially at the end of Birth by Sleep. He actually lives inside Sora's heart and the power of awakening that Sora had to use. Because of living there, Roxas looks exactly like uh, Ventus. That's why nobody looks like that. Now, I gotta say, it was very exciting to see most of these characters come back, but I would say it was a bit fanservice-y and kind of messed with everything they ever wanted to do like Xion and Roxas uh, they were such a good choice to bring back 
especially because you know we know that these three Axel, Roxas, and Xion, they were really good with each other. They were good friends, but you guys convinced us that Roxas and Namine had a closer relationship during the second game. Sidelining that, because after the second game, we decided to make free 58-2 and introduce Xion, and then you were like, yes, yeah, screw Namine. That was kind of a weird move. At the same time, saying that the Namine came back, she's now among the living, which I gotta say plays a lot with the rules of the game, and you know, it's just you know Kingdom Hearts always does that, so we kind of get used to it. But I would say that you know doing that, and then coming and saying that okay, uh, now Riku goes after Namine and he likes her, and she likes him. First of all, this was never established. Second of all, it's kind of creepy. Namine is Kairi's nobody, so Riku's like, yeah, I always like Kairi, but now let's go with Namine. <laughs> and to be honest, Sora and Namine seem like a better pair than Sora and Kairi. I have no idea why they're trying this hard. I mean, during the game, I was never convinced. I mean, Sora as a character seemed very much independent, didn't even need to be in love with someone. As a friend, probably he would do that. But to say that you know he's in love doesn't even feel like it. And I think that you know, that's one part that you know never really stuck with me. But of course, seeing that you know um, Sora uh, wanted to save her, and because of saving her, she he kind of you know got stuck, couldn't come back, and that kind of you know uh, sucked. And I would say that you know he he probably did his best. He was a good guy. And he wanted to, you know, basically uh, help out and, you know, do his best for the one person he actually cares about a lot. But, I don't know, I mean, it felt kind of weird. And, um, I, I think that, you know, after that with the secret ending, it was even weirder. When we saw that he's in this world, it looks very much like Final Fantasy 13 Versus where he's faced uh, you know in, where he's faced by this guy Yozora and Riku's the one who actually goes there to save him and we see Master of Masters who is there and you know we're just like okay who the hell are you at this point there are many theories I actually think that Master of Masters could actually be Sora could actually be but the thing is that may maybe he's a Sora that's gone nuts but the thing is, you know, honestly, I would say that the game played it safe in terms of ending. When you face Xehanort and he's like, uh, you know, you you want to beat me, you know, things like that. And they fight and he's really OP. You're OP. You're fighting. And then he's like, okay, you won. Here it is. Here's the Keyblade because Eric has convinced me. I didn't like that. I say that, you know, I've seen this kind of trope many times in anime and stuff like that. But here, I thought that maybe, you know, we could actually see Xehanort face his bad deeds and not suddenly be like, okay, you're, forgo you're forgiven. Let's go. Let's go, my friend. I mean, why? The guy did a lot of bad things. You can't just forget all of that and be like, nah, it's cool. He's my friend. Why? <laughs> so, I, I, I had a little problem with that. And I thought as a villain that he was... He probably could have had a much more badass kind of death even, maybe? But it didn't really... They didn't really do that. I don't know. They 
played it a little safe here and there, but it was more like you know, fan service overall. Like seeing Terra kick uh, Terra Xehanort's ass and, you know, uh, come back and help the others. Seeing everyone together and, you know, everyone, literally everyone come back to life. I thought that, you know, it actually destroyed some of the emotional things that we felt when we saw certain events happen. Now, I wouldn't say that, you know, I didn't expect Terra and Ventus to come back. I expected them. But the thing is that for the others, such as Xion, such as Namine, seeing them come back so nilly-willy wasn't really something I expected or something that I really thought was necessary. Although, this was supposed to be an end to the series, it would have been fine. I wouldn't be like, okay, this is the end. Let's give him a happy ending and be done with it. But the fact that they actually chose to continue it? That's the one part that confuses me. This was the perfect place to end it and leave it open to say that will they ever find Sora or not. But to do this and continue it kind of downsells all the emotion we probably could have felt. Now, continuing from that, uh, we had the Remind DLC, which basically showed that Sora kind of traveled in time multiple times during the ending part of the game to find uh, the guys and, you know, help them to save them. And he, he actually did it in the original game, but in this DLC he does it way more. And he just wants to, you know, save everyone, including Kyrie. And we see how, you know, he actually influences the events that go through the game. But I think the more important part of it is when he actually goes to uh, the other world. And we are shown Yozora. Yozora, who we thought was a, like, you know, video game hero. But turns out that he's actually from another world. You actually gotta fight Yozora. And I thought that, you know, aside from the fact that you know, even Xehanort knew that Sora was, like, moving for time and stuff like that. Which, again, was kind of weird. I would say that, you know, seeing Yozora fight Sora, which seems to be a very difficult fight, as people are saying. I think that, aside from all of that, the idea is good. Thinking that, you know, Sora is not a uh, good guy here, maybe he's bad... I mean, it fits with my idea that maybe he is Master of Masters. I mean, it does make sense, to be honest. I mean, if he's that, if he's supposed to be a bad guy to do a lot of bad things, yeah, probably they want to stop and they want to be like, no, dude, stop. And we have two endings. One, where he, where you actually win and everything is fine and all. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you stop Yozora and Yozora goes home and you're still there and you're like, yeah. I'm fine. The other being that, you know, um, you uh, lose and you're crystallized because Final Fantasy. I mean, I would say that I would love more explanation. But the thing is that, you know, during the Remind DLC and, of course, the game, we understand a lot. And... There is so much here that's kind of weird. Like, one of these members of 13 organization actually thinks that Zigbar is hiding something. And when talking about hiding something, he's actually a voice that drives the car of Yozora. So, is he actually from the other world? 
Is he? Is it why he like gave a wild card to Sora? Maybe. Aside from that, we finally understand that Zigbar is actually that apprentice from back cover who was supposed to, you know, hide something. But he says, "I move vessels so many times." He actually summons those people from back cover. He brings out that box at last with the Keyblade. He wants to tell them what's inside, but he doesn't. We see um, Maleficent doing nothing as usual, just being there, which was kind of a waste, I think. Um, we are told that you know, Zigbar was that dude and stuff like that, and you know that one of those members from the old group is actually doing something, a mission that we are never told what it is. Oof, there's so much here. We also um, learn, like, you know, um, what was the other thing? Um, let me think. Oh, yeah, that Master of Masters actually met with Xehanort, that he's the one that gave this clothing to him, that this clothing protects him from darkness. And, you know, because Xehanort becomes part of the darkness and he wants to do something like that, he doesn't need those clothing anymore. He gives it to the others. There is so much here, and he actually says his name to Xehanort, but it's never heard through us. Some people say that maybe this connects to Chain of Memories, where they say that, you know, his voice cannot be heard, because we get there. And I would say that, okay, honestly, all of this put together, this creates a very weird picture. They want to continue it, but at the same time, they're playing it very strictly with Master of Masters, not knowing who he is, doesn't create this just it doesn't just create this mystery of being like okay who the hell are you but rather it's someone who probably all know otherwise what's the you know harm in telling us unless you're just like okay if they tell us later on if we hear the name we get spoiled i would say he is sora but a sora who has lost his mind and i mean honestly it would make sense if that's exactly why Yozora is going after Sora, if he can, like, yeah, we gotta stop him before he does more damage. Maybe they don't know that he's there. Uh, the Master of Masters. I mean, there's so much. So much. Um, that, you know, you could say um, that there's a reason why something is happening. Now, when we go to Chain of Memories, apparently Kairi's still looking for Sora. She's looking for her memories to find him. There is um, so much there that I think it's just exciting to think about. To be like, oh yeah, that's that's really cool. Nice job. But <clears throat> the thing is that, you know, after that, um, with this secret ending, we find out that Fairy Godmother can actually go to that final world easy peasy which was really weird like dude everybody else they had to do crazy things awakening and stuff like that they could never return you can do it nearly really why <laughs> but they're taken there with riku of course Kyrie before that fought with xehanort um i'm not sure if it was actually xehanort or rather xehanort's recreation or memories where they say that in this world is created from your memories they fight, and Sora actually saves Kairi from being killed by Xehanort, to which he says they know he cannot be hurt because he's in a different world, and you know his voice has been taken. I thought that was kind of weird. I think that maybe Sora is trapped in uh, you know that 
that kind of you know um, how how would you say it? like the the crystal. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of weird. I would say that, you know honestly I expected um, you know. It's kind of weird, and it doesn't get any better than that. It continues with the weirdness to the point that they bring Riku there with Fairy Godmother, and they see this little orb that is actually the girlfriend of Yozora being trapped there, and she wants to help them to get to their world so she can also be free. And the thing that's actually even weirder, which, to be honest, it is pretty weird, is the fact that, um, <laughs> the fact that oh, I'm kind of losing it. I've been talking for so long. Um, it's the fact that when you look at it, uh, you see that Kyrie is the one who has actually done all of this, got to this point, and they're like, "Yeah, no, Kyrie, you ain't going. <laughs> We're the one that's going." And Riku goes. Of course, this would have be very much like you know saying that yeah, um, Riku was in that ending, so there, that's probably why he's going. But I would say that. You know, honestly, um, everything's so exciting here that I'm very, I'm very excited to see, you know, how and how far they want to, you know, take this thing. Like, will we see a new trilogy? Would it be something, uh, I don't know, like, um, something that we never expected? There is so much to, um, to see here. And I think that, you know, it could be very unique because now we can actually visit the world of Final Fantasy and probably connect it with, theirs, with their world in a new way that we hadn't done before. So, I don't know. I mean, it seems, um, you know, seems kind of weird. But regardless, it is kind of, you know, um, kind of exciting. I would say that, you know, this would be um, really fun, really good, and probably probably very unique, to be honest. But in a way, it does defeat the purpose of the ending for Kingdom Hearts 3, which I think could have been a very good and open-ended ending, to the point that you will be like, yeah, it's finally ended, and, you know, of course, Sora being the guy, is he sacrificed himself. But again, you know that even if they ended like that this still would have happened regardless of everything I hope that we see something really good in terms of story uh, with the next games I want to see a new world just as polished as this one just as well done and if we're gonna focus just on Final Fantasy characters that would be awesome because then we could actually see um, maybe these worlds connected with Final Fantasy remake maybe I think there could be a chance that they can connect it. Would it be a good idea to do so? Not sure, but regardless, I think it can be. And if it does, it's just, you know, it's still exciting. I mean, come on. Anything they do is going to be exciting. But yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope that, like, um... This was a good episode. I'm really dying from talking here so much. I mean, it's been an hour. So, this was the longest episode for any throwback reviews, I think. So, thank you guys for joining me. 
I hope you've been enjoying this little adventure we had together. And uh, I hope this was good. This was something that you probably enjoyed. You had fun with. And um, I'll see you guys very soon. Next time. Um, hopefully. I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe no. But uh, thank you regardless of join for joining me. And um, if you didn't enjoy it. I mean... I'm glad. <laughs> There's not much uh, you can do right now. But still, thank you, and I'll see you guys next time.